Hey, 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 it's Casey with the Mojility Networks podcast and our co-host, Philip Tanner. Season two, we made it. Yeah, we've been busy, though. We've <laughs> we been have doing been a lot of busy. things. So I apologize to anyone out there that's kind of missed us. Oh, I've had people ask me, why'd you stop doing that? So we didn't stop. Been busy with other things, but we're making a point to make a more more podcasts for this season. Absolutely. I, we've, we've actually hired a, a couple new people, so that's, that's actually helped us. Uh, COVID, what a strange, strange time. We're not over. We're, it's still here. Lessons learned. People still learning lessons. Fighting with employees because some people want you to come back to the office and some people don't want to come back and some people want to come back and their employer's like, no, and we're just not happy. Dude, I was 10 minutes late here. I was 10 minutes late <laughs> waiting in line for food. They don't have employees anymore. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of challenges out there. There's, there's a lot of open positions. What are you going to do? Exactly. Well, I guess we could go back there and help. I've worked in the kitchen industry. I can make up a That's, nice thing. I've worked a lot of crazy jobs as a teenager and even part-time jobs as an army and stuff like that. I've never worked fast food or food service. I closest thing I worked anything with food is I worked at a grocery store in high school, okay. stock shelves and stuff. All right. So now with that, though. I mean, season two, our first podcast, Philip, let the people know what we have going on out there. Oh, there's so much to talk about and goes into our, the new things we're doing and Dish. things happening with customers. <laughs> and, um, I've actually preached for a couple of years now about, uh, having flexible access and deploying Wi-Fi first networks. I think I wrote my first article about it in 2017. Um, because the uh, 802.11ac Wave 2 technology was good enough for for most office situations to support wireless as the primary means of access, including voice and video. Well, you take all that and you take the demands of our customers, and we do a lot of managed Wi-Fi. We have launched a new services division dedicated exclusively to Wi-Fi, delivering Wi-Fi in a secure way, um, a cost-effective way, uh, promoting Wi-Fi design and Wi-Fi as a service. It's called Wi-Fi Worldwide. It's at wifiworldwide.com. It is a service of Mobility Networks, and we're going to be dedicated to promoting all wireless offices, promoting Wi-Fi as a service, promoting Wi-Fi as the primary means of communication in an office, and doing it in a cost-effective way. Fantastic. And how do they get to this part of our website? www.wifiworldwide.com. We are going to bring enterprise-level Wi-Fi security to the masses. There's a, something called network access control. That is not new, but it's just starting to be applied at scale for large corporations on both their wired and wireless networks. We actually have a way to do it as a service and deliver it cost effectively to small, medium business and enterprise. Oh, so it, it's not just enterprise anymore. No, we can bring those enterprise level security controls in an easy to use cost effective way to both small and medium enterprise. And, th and this goes into um, you know things that buzzwords, right? Everybody's heard of Internet of Things. And uh, yes. Internet of Things is basically everything that's not your computer and your cell phone that gets connected to wireless. The problem is, it's like your consumer and even your prosumer grade products that connect to wireless. You have no control over what's going on. You have no control over updating the operating system. They're not patched for security and vulnerabilities. So they have to be treated in a special way so that they don't contaminate your business network. That goes into also the network access control. And we have ways to do this now that are as a service and cost effective for small and medium business. So now things that just a couple of years ago that only enterprise had, we can bring to everyone. Wow. So that's people bringing in their own devices and- Yeah, bring own devices, smart phones. thermostats, uh, wireless speakers, all kinds of things, right? You wanna use them, but you don't wanna use them on your corporate network where they can be exploited to hack your corporate network. A lot to think about there. Well, how do I say this lightly? You will be judged by your Wi-Fi. 
<laughs> yes, you will be. Because um, this goes into hospitality, especially if you're a retail or, or a restaurant or something like that, or a hotel. What kind of things do you see on Yelp? People will talk about a location's Wi-Fi. <laughs> they will. And so if you're going to offer free Wi-Fi to your guests, you need to make sure it's good Wi-Fi. It's funny. We went on spring break, and when we went... That was one of the things that my kids looked for. Was good Wi-Fi. For good, good Wi-Fi. Well, this goes into discussions I've had recently with one of our larger clients. Well, I guess they recently, actually over the last couple of years, they've been a client for a long time. I want to talk about the experience economy. Everything now is consumed as a service and judged by the experience. But yet we're still design networks and a lot of people still design their Wi-Fi networks the old way. They design these big, cumbersome, complex wired networks and then Wi-Fi is just an add-on. Well, we're led to believe that wired is so much better. Some superior bandwidth, but other than that, not really. You can have wireless access that's just as secure as wired access and at, done at a much lower expense. If you focus on a all wireless office, you can on average can reduce the switch port counts by 75% and not have to actually pull the physical wiring. That's saving quite a bit. You're talking about each run? Each run, uh, industry average for Cat 6, modern stuff, is about $300 a drop. So, and in some markets like New York City or or Washington, D.C., it can be four to $500 a drop, depending on how many you do, because the, the rates are higher because of higher insurance rates and labor costs. But yeah, three to three fifty in Indiana for a certified installer to install it with good grade cable and good grade uh uh, connections and stuff and, and certify it with a test set three to 350. That reminds me, we, what, about three months ago, we helped a company move their cubicles and we had to take out all of the wiring, which a lot of the people weren't using. Right. And and that's the other problem. It's a lot of the cubicles are modular as far as the power systems. Yep. That's easy to go plug in the power. Rerouting cables is a nightmare. If you take an all wireless office approach, you just drop the cost of any rearrangements of your office furniture or any changing of your layouts in the office. You just drop the cost tremendously. So, and we can do this all now with wireless. I, we can do everything with wireless. Um, people say, Oh, what about voice? We have a whole suite of Wi-Fi desk phones that we include as part of our um, PBX service, or we can equip you with a soft phone where the phone exists on your computer and you use a headset. And then that phone will take go with you, whether you're home or in the office, and you don't have anything to worry about. And it's clear. Uh, I use one at home and I love it. Yeah. It, um, and that's a kudos to all the people that have made this great VoIP technology. Uh, most of the vendors now support Opus Codec. Uh, Opus Codec is very um, tolerant to uh, packet loss and things like that. And so on most networks, including cell phone networks, the calls remain fairly clear. My biggest question to all this is when you brought this to me that we were going to offer this part of our business, my big question to you is why aren't more companies doubling down on this? Why don't more companies focus on this part? One is they have a lot of investments in their legacy infrastructure. Two is most network engineers do not know how to design a Wi-Fi network. It is different. There's a lot of physics involved. You have to understand construction materials and the attenuations. You have to understand how to design for capacity versus coverage, which is an important topic because people that don't understand Wi-Fi very well, they'll go crank up the power on an access point, throw the access point in and like, oh, look at all this coverage we have. And they might only put four or five access points in an office when you probably need 10. And, so, and they make the bids look cheap. But when you actually start putting a lot of devices on the network, they don't perform very well. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is a topic, it's called the hidden node effect. 
Um, it's complicated. I'll probably be doing a piece in the next month or so where I, I explain it on our educational series. But designing for voice and video, especially using the applications like we use now, like Microsoft Teams, a lot of companies use. A lot of companies use Zoom. They're using all these other collaboration tools. I'm using Slack. Slack has video tools in it now for people to, you know, brainstorm and things like that. Those applications, you need to design Wi-Fi networks to support those applications. And that goes back into when I talk about the experience economy. In my opinion, if you are not starting to design your networks with the user experience in mind, you're failing. You need to start from the user and work out to the internet. But why is that so important? Because every use case is different. For example, if you're going to promote the uh, Wi-Fi office, a wireless office, the density of access points you need, the type of coverage and, and the capacities that you need depend greatly on what you're doing with it. Are you doing real-time location services, which that means you can like uh, do asset tracking over Wi-Fi? Are you doing voice and video? Do you have a complex environment that's difficult to design for, like warehouses that have huge shelving that goes to the ceiling with all kinds of objects in it that block the Wi-Fi? There's special considerations for that. You need someone that understands the radio frequency physics of Wi-Fi. And that's where a lot of companies that are so network-centric and not Wi-Fi-centric fail in their designs because they design for coverage and not capacity. They don't have the right tools to analyze a Wi-Fi now. Um, we use the gold standard for Wi-Fi design and uh, Wi-Fi analysis. We use uh, Echo House Site Survey Pro. I'll be doing some series on it coming up, showing some of the things we do, how we, our design methodology. You know, I'd actually like to do a video on that. Have you going we, we, through? We can do that. The process, okay. And that's why we ask a lot of questions. When we de design a Wi-Fi network, we ask, you know, how many devices are gonna be in the network? Because most people have at least two devices. They have their laptop and their cell phone. Sometimes they have a laptop, a corporate cell phone, and a personal cell phone. And a network designed for, 100 users with three devices is different than 100 users with one device. True, true. Or the time of day that people access the network. Because if you have a facility that manufactures products that has three shifts, and you have 500 users over three shifts, that's different than having 1,500 users on one shift wow. when it comes to capacity planning. These are the kind of things you have to think about. So that's why we ask so many questions. Uh, we ask what applications are most important because we need to be able to provide quality of service for Zoom or Slack or whatever your applications of choice are. And we also need to make sure that we have a security posture in mind to make sure everything's going to be meet your corporate security standards and, and meet our security. That's a lot to think about. I mean, just the bring your own device alone is. Well, that goes into a topic that's called role based authentication. We actually can design your network so that there's different levels of access and privilege for corporate owned and controlled devices, employee bring your own device devices, contractors and vendors, and guests. And they can all have different levels of privilege. Like your, your contractors and vendors might need to be able to print in your office. We can make it so that they can print and touch nothing else in your corporate network. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> well, we, um, we've done a lot of Wi-Fi and we have a lot of things um, templated. Now we don't do cookie cutter designs because the access point placement and the environment is so individual, but there are general rules of design that we have done processes and procedures to where we know how to do it in a way that's cost effective. We know how to do it in a way it doesn't take a lot of time because we've done it before. Well, in, in just the proposals that you and I have worked on together, it's like each place has been, the places that I thought would need more actually needs less. So it's, it's like, you've taught me a lot in that area. So how long does it take to do a report like this for a company that's mid to enterprise? Um, generally, it comes down to the square footage, but uh, most designs of uh, just a preliminary, what's called a predictive design, we can get a design and bill of materials out in a week. That quickly. But then, you know, 
total project time if you committed uh, because you uh, need an installer and all that stuff, uh, 45 to 60 days if you're committed to the project. So to people that are listening to this right now, who, who are the people that should be like, wow, my business needs this? Um, anybody that's facing compliance challenges because we do wireless uh, work for the federal government and, and other and HIPAA compliant entities and some other things. We're very compliance focused and we have a, we are take a vendor neutral approach. We match the product to the customer. We don't shoehorn the customer into the product because that's what we sell. And uh, I actually have a disdain for companies that do that because you're not um, taking care of your customers because there's a lot of good manufacturers out there, but some of them do certain things better than others. And it's not a one trick pony. So in one situation, the ideal product may be X in another situation, ideal product may be Y. And you need a company that has a vendor neutral approach that is aware of what's going on in the industry that can match the product to your use case, not shoehorn you into the manufacturer's use case. Gotcha. So if you're listening right now and you fit into that category that Philip is just talking about. Make sure you give us a call, 260-408-6605. Give us a call. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you scheduled. We'll come out. We'll do that for you. Again, uh, 260-408-6605. And uh, this goes into the security part of Wi-Fi. Um, I've been talking about the same topic for a couple of years, too. And uh, uh, about two weeks ago, I had a colleague, industry colleague, send me a, um, I'm drawing a blank on where it's from. It's on my LinkedIn, but where the, the study was from, we'll put a link below this. Um, they're talking about uh, the challenges of with COVID and people working from home and all the compromises that were made to uh, preserve business continuity, maybe over security. And it highlighted some problems that go back to the user experience about um employees not liking certain security controls because they felt they were cumbersome or hard to use. So that goes into the user experience. User experience is part of cybersecurity and you must have a cybersecurity posture that's easy for your end user to use. Or they won't use it. Or they won't <laughs> use it or they'll try to find a way around it or they use their personal device instead of the corporate device where you have the endpoint protection policies and you can get data spillage and all kinds of problems. So one of the ways that Wi-Fi helps make that happen is, is that with our NAC service, we have the ability to also manage what's called PKI, public key infrastructure, and that certificates on your machine. And in WPA2 enterprise connection to Wi-Fi, the certificate connects to the Wi-Fi automatically it has very strong encryption, so you're not sharing passwords. That sounds expensive. Uh, with the R as a service, it's surprisingly not that expensive. It used to only be for enterprise because you needed somebody that was doing um, Windows Active Directory and doing the managing the public key infrastructure. And we have a way to do it where we can issue the certificates in a much more cost-effective and much easier to use way. I like it. So, uh, but that. Also, those certificates can be used to power empower um, VPNs and be the password for the VPNs. The certificate belongs to that machine. You know it's a corporate machine connecting to your network. And then you can have your other access controls, such as um, your Active Directory, your Office 365 Directory, or your um, single sign-on application, handling all your logins, all your business apps, and all your cloud apps. And that's all kinds of stuff we can talk about. And we also, oh, one other thing that goes into the security <laughs> stuff is if you have are, are adopting a more hybrid office strategy, where you might have some smaller offices or some huddle offices or even a power user at home that needs full corporate access into the office, stuff like that. We have two of our vendors have Wi-Fi access points that basically will automatically VPN and tunnel into your corporate network. From and, home. From home. And so from that home. same SSID, the same network name that you see in the office, we can make it show up at home and we can make you be able to use all the in the office resources. Like you can print 
from home to the office. If you're work from home that day and you're an executive or you're a power user and you print something, you can go tell John, hey, it's on tray four. That sounds too easy. It's amazingly easy. If you have a, let's say you hire some, you're from Indiana and you hire some rock star in Kansas. He's like, I'm not moving. You can ship this <laughs> access point to him and he plug it in. It'll just work. I like it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> nice. All right. So again, if you're listening and you think that you fit into this category, you'd like us to come out and take a look to make sure that your Wi-Fi is up to par then give us a call 260-408-6605. And I got a story about that. You have a story? Wi-Fi up to par. We also, <laughs> I have experience in doing this. We as a company have experience to do this. We have taken over Wi-Fi projects that were poorly implemented because yes, the Wi-Fi product, the access point is important, but more important than the product you choose because a lot of manufacturers can meet your uh, requirements. Okay. Is the implementer skill. And that's where poor Wi-Fi designs happen. And we had a client a couple months ago. It was uh, end of July. No, I'm sorry, end of June. I went out to Washington, D.C. And there was a building that had 225 access points. I won't say what manufacturer, but it's one of the ones we use. And the design was done by a different firm. And it was a mess. They left everything on auto channel and auto bandwidth. And things were stepping all over each other. And packets were getting dropped. And people were not able to make Wi-Fi calls. And Wi-Fi calls were dropping and all kinds of stuff. So we took a, a week to go out there and uh, redo the channel plan, redo the channel whisk, correct the power, power balance, everything so that um, things worked right. And then by the time we left, we had multiple users all over the place on Wi-Fi calling, roaming through the facility, not a packet drop, crystal clear. So the implementation matters. It's not, it's not just throw it up and go. The more access points you have, the more interference you're going to have. And you need a design that mitigates that. So if I was to rip the bandaid off of what you just said, implementer is who? We are the implementer. Well, we are to do it right. But if their current situation, it's usually their... Their ISP or sometimes it's a computer yeah, shop so, or whatever. So don't be afraid to inspect what you expect. Yeah. If, if, if the company that is doing your implementation does not explain to you like the operational parameters, what the minimum signal level is going to be, what the minimal secondary AP signal level is going to be. If it's designed to support voice, video, whatever your applications are, if they're not breaking it down that way, they're not Wi-Fi professionals. And if they don't do a predictive survey at minimum, not everyone has the budget for a uh, post-installation performance survey. If they're not doing at least a predictive survey or don't have the tools to predict the survey, they're not a serious Wi-Fi company. Um, they're just not. And so it's very important to have an implementer that has skills. Now, it's one of those things. The more APs you need, the more complicated your design becomes. Almost anybody can do one or two APs and probably pull it off. But when you start having six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you start having users and you need a use case where you have need a corporate network and a contractor network and a guest network and possibly an IoT network and all these different things. This is way beyond your average installer. You've got to look under the hood. You just can't plug things in and, and pray that they work. We've seen it too many times. What breaks my heart is when we do a pitch and we're not the cheapest because we're doing it right. Right. And somebody comes in at 40 to 60% less and I see the flaws in it. The customer shows me this stuff and I tell them why it's not apples to apples. They go with the cheap one. They're disappointed and they ask me if I can do anything with it. I can help them and the design's so bad that we have to rip it out and replace it. And so you just spent a whole lot more money. It's funny you just said all that only because I have a new segment at the very end because there's one thing that you do all the time 
every podcast you have predicted something that has come true. So when you look at these proposals, you've done that before for other people and it comes true. Well, it, it's just experience. I've had the great fortune of having a career that's taken me to five continents, lots of countries to install wireless networks and things. Um, I worked at the embassy in Baghdad and Kabul for several years, supporting U.S. government uh, affairs. I've been involved in enterprise wireless lands since 2006. And one of the major vendors, Aruba, was formed in 2004. I deployed my first Aruba network in 2006. So I've been doing Wi-Fi about as long as the enterprise Wi-Fi industry has, has existed. You know your stuff. For the most part. And, and you know what, though? What I don't know, I have a great network of colleagues with various Wi-Fi certifications, friends that are freelancers that I'll sub to if they have areas of expertise that I don't. We get it done. We get it done right. I don't cut corners. So, But uh, we have a lot of capacity in-house. We, we, we build great networks and... Uh, I'm proud of what we've done, particularly for our compliance and our federal clients and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I want to bring my experience to everyone. And now with that, again, I, I want to do a part of the show where I want you to be able to predict you, you, you watch the news, you can't, you take, you take, uh, you, you pay very close attention to what's going on. And do you have any predictions for us? I know I put you on the hot seat, but I like this because. Well, some of it's starting to happen, but. I predict that when the pandemic is either over or manageable enough that we don't worry about it, that the posture will be all wireless office and will be zero trust networking with basically VPNs from endpoints. And your work experience is going to be exactly the same, whether you're in the office or at home. And because we're, again, that goes back to the experience economy. I already designed my networks around a user experience. In three years, that will be the norm. And you'll start hearing the vendors talk about UX driven networking and UX-driven security. UX is short for user experience. I'm going to mark it on the calendar. So but I think you're about three years away. And, it, and you've seen this with other terms. Like uh, it went to, you know, it was next-gen firewalls. And then when they started putting the, moving the protection down to the end user, they started calling it uh, secure access service edge. So, I mean, it, you get caught in the buzzwords. And sometimes it's just a natural evolution of technology. But right now, we expect easy, do it from anywhere, but to protect your corporation on the company side you need to be security focused and wi-fi is a way to get there if using the right security and controls and that includes using a network access control appliance now we have a network access control as a service that works in our cloud where we can do things that were only for enterprise just a few months ago even and that is public key infrastructure wpa2 enterprise encryption nice all right so that is that's your that's your prediction that's my prediction episode. i I don't have any earth shattering ones. I, I did a couple good calls last year, but maybe, maybe I'll have a moment of genius on the way home or something. Thanks for listening to the Mogility Networks podcast. We sure do appreciate it. And we hope you got a lot of value out of this cast.